I was thinking this last week about the Easter message and what a powerful message it is. I also thought about the fact that, ladies and gentlemen, had Christ not had your salvation and my salvation to the core of all his purpose and a call like we prayed about for our missionary families, I want you to know that if Christ had not obeyed the call, and can I say, had he not resisted the temptation that was beyond measure, you and I would still be in our sin. Do you realize that just as his ministry began what we call the Mount of Temptation or the Temptation of Christ, Satan started very early with a thing called temptation to try to destroy the man who would be our Savior. And just before he goes to the cross, one major attempt was called Gethsemane. The agony in Gethsemane. You can read about that in Mark 4, I mean Matthew 4 and Mark 1 and in Luke 4. The, the, this, this temptation early in the ministry and then the last thing before the cross. Don't kid yourself, Satan will come if, he's, if he came at Christ, he will come at you. And I just want to glory in this fact, that the Christ did something that cost him and called him to tremendous discipline during temptation. And I thank God that he didn't give in to it that I have a savior today. But I want to declare to you that his example is ours to follow. So I want to talk this morning about temptation and compromise. I looked these words up, temptation. The first meeting in the dictionary was an attempt to persuade to do wrong by promising pleasure or gain. Secondly, to attract or invite to risk, temptation. Secondly, I want to talk about the word compromise. There were three definitions that I saw in the dictionary. Number one, a settlement by arbitration. Number two, an adjustment between conflicting courses, ideas, beliefs, or desires. Thirdly, I, this word to me was intriguing, an imperiling, an imperiling or surrender as of character or reputation, compromise. Compromise, ladies and gentlemen and young people, is often a result of temptation. Temptation begins, compromise is made. But it's also perhaps a result of unawareness. Compromise can be a result of loss of concern. Compromise can result out of a weakness. I want to read to you the words in Luke chapter 22. I want you to be with me at verse 39. Luke chapter 22, I'm sorry, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, I want you to notice that Christ is speaking to the disciples, but notice that he sees something in the spirit world 
It was revealed to him by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, like he did in the kingdom for Job. He has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And I want to tell you something. If Satan asks to sift Simon, he'll ask to sift you. But I have prayed for you. Look at the magnanimous concept of the Christ praying for me and for you. And watch this statement. Don't miss the power of these words. When I have prayed for you that your faith should not fall, watch these words, and when you have returned to me, If you, want to, if, if you want to know about prophecy, try that. Try that for, for prophecy. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Christ said to him, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you shall deny me three times, deny three times that you know me. There's another verse of Scripture that says, beware when you think you stand lest you fall. We're in the late hour, and Satan knows he has a short time. I want to speak to us today. I want to speak to you. And the younger, the more intense I would like to be. I do not want you to give in to temptation. Come on, parents, say amen. I do not want you to compromise. I do not want you to lessen your future by horrendous bad decisions. So I want to read now verse 39 in Luke 22. Verse 39. Christ coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives... And he was, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he, had, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter, what? Temptation. Pray that you may not enter temptation. As we travel this morning in this message, I want to travel not only as individuals, I want to travel as also a family and also a nation. For as goes the individual, goes the family, goes the nation. TV cameras focused on an old, old majestic building. It was made of massive stone and it rose to 10 stories I stood by personally just to visit and experience that I had seen on television but never in person. The countdown began 10, 9, 8. No human being was anywhere near. 3, 2, 1. Somebody somewhere pushed a button. Dynamite set in strategic places simultaneously exploded. It, called an, it caused an implosion. 
I looked that up in the dictionary, and this was different to my thinking, or it just hit my thinking in a new way. A definition of imploding, implosion is to burst inward. <laughs> Does your mind not say that burst is always outward? To burst inward. Satan will come with temptation, yes, from the outside, but to destroy you inwardly. This building, I watched it. It seemed to suck in air, shake, tremble, then totally collapse in seconds. This massive structure caved in. A shroud of dust and smoke shielded it for a few minutes. And then there was nothing but rubble. I experienced this when I was a pastor in a place called White House, Texas. This building was to be destroyed downtown Tyler, Texas. I wanted to see it. That's where I saw it. Someone in the crowd asked, how could such a building, built so painstakingly, a building that had stood for many, many decades, how could it be destroyed in seconds? The answer is, it was not destroyed in seconds. The answer is, for weeks and months, workers scurried unseen throughout that edifice, all through its foundations, all through its lower floors, workers patiently planning dynamite charges in strategic places, workers stringing thousands of feet of wire from charge to charge. This building, ladies and gentlemen, was not destroyed by the work of the moment. It was the result of a long process of careful inner preparation by its destroyers. I want you to hear me. Satan will come. He will work and he will get on the inside, and he comes by the seconds and the minutes and the hours and the days. Such is the process of temptation. Our world is a minefield of temptation today, especially for the youth. In John chapter 13, tells us the story of the collapse of two of Jesus' closest followers, two disciples. Judas and Peter. I want to just stop and say today, I am here in this pulpit, here online live. I want to battle for your eternity, for your soul to wind up in the kingdom of God in an eternity of love. We've already lost too many marriages. Too many young people. Too many lives. We're in a war. I want to do war from this pulpit this morning. Can you say amen? amen. Judas and Peter. Judas coldly, deliberately betrayed his Lord. 
I wonder what went through the mind of Judas as he contemplated. I wonder what words were the battlefield that Satan put in his mind that got a hold of his heart and finally the dynamite exploded and Judas' life was destroyed. And then there's Peter. He was swept away despite his best intentions. How many of you know Simon Peter was zealous for sure? How many of you know Simon Peter meant well? How many of you know that he was always the first of the three? Peter, James, and John. This was the leader. This was the guy that had all the, all the zealousness and all the, all the energy and was always wanted to be, in a sense, the go-to guy. At least that's how I see him. But I want to tell you something, young people, mom and dad, grandparents, temptation is a powerful foe. And I think the greater potential you have in the kingdom of God, the greater potential Satan will come to try to destroy your life. One thing is certain. Anyone can fail. How many of us have? How many of us have? How many of you have? No one is off limits to the fiery darts of the wicked one. Fiery darts, what a, what a accurate portrayal of temptation. Ephesians 6, 16 tells us to put on the armor of God that we can withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, through long history of humanity and the word of God, we are tempted we learn that we are tempted in the areas of our vulnerabilities. Satan makes those things attractive to us that already have some measure of charm to us. We are not all tempted to do the same things. Satan knows us quite well. In areas that hold some fascination, we are tempted. Thus, temptation becomes fiery and deadly if followed. I know today is not one of those feel-good messages that we hear a lot about, and I don't mind preaching feel-good messages, but I'm going to tell you when you will feel good about today's message, and that's when Satan comes and you win the battle, then you'll feel good about a message on temptation and compromise. Temptation always begins one-dimensional. Young people, I want you to hear this. And, and I, want to hear, I want all the young people under 99 to hear this. Temptation always begins with one dimension. Temptation always comes with only one view. And I'm going to tell you, you think Hollywood is something? You ought to see the glitter and the light and the paint and the powder and the color and all the ambience that Satan can place in the mind and the hearts and the spirits of a human being that he is trying to seduce. He only comes with one view. He only comes with the fun side. He only, he only shows the pleasure, the bright lights, the thrill, the fun, the, the tremendous question about experience. 
Temptation shows the benefit, the possibilities. And with these, the mind and the heart, they are dazzled. Dazzled. Beauty, glitter, lights, the feeling, the fun, the pleasure. What would it be like? Let it be known. There is pleasure in the sin season. There is. This world does have fun and pleasure to offer. Its offer is not empty. But it is filled with damnation. Also let it be known that the pleasure of the sin season is very brief. Extremely short. But it will end and quickly. Hebrews 11. There is a great statement about Moses of the book of beginnings, Genesis. It says, verse 25 of Hebrews 11, choosing rather, here, here's the choice, young people, I want you to make every time. Mom and dad, family, grandparents, about life, about everything in life. When Satan is working on your heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit, look at what this man did because it's important. It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How many of you know it's quiet in here? So temptation, it begins one-dimensional. But sin is far more dimensional than the front door. We're living in a world today riddled with rebellion and mental demonic depravity. We have arrived to the scripture in our world today where they will call evil good and good evil. I want you to know this cancel culture that is coming across our nation is spawned out of the pit of hell and I want to tell you, you're in a wrong spirit if you think destruction doesn't come from the devil. We're in the battle for our lives and our nation. As the individual, the family, the church, the nation. Sin is more dimensional than the front door. Sin will never show you the back door. Sin will never show you the alley of ruin and stench. And let me say it, wallowing in liquor and vomit in your own waste, that's the ruin Satan never wants you to see. Satan never wants you to see the end of the pleasure season. Satan never wants you to see the heartbreak and the disease. And can I say, the reaping of what you sow. Satan never wants you to see the loss of what can never be changed again. Satan never wants you to see the long journey of rebuilding of trust if indeed it can ever be rebuilt. Satan never wants you to see the ugliness, the darkness, can I say the sickening thud of your sin being made public 
and it will be made public. And even though today sin is exposed in some people's lives, we just write it off and write it off and, well, truth doesn't matter. It's dead in the streets. Okay, he sexually harassed somebody or he stole this money or all these things that are totally just impregnating our society. I want you to know, deny it all you want. I'm not making you guilty before. A lot of people will, but this much I will tell you. The truth will be known and it will be made public. And we may take the shame off of it today, but I want to tell you in the kingdom where there is righteousness and holiness, the shame will not be removed. Scripture in Numbers 32, 23 says this, be sure your sin will find you out. Satan will tell you that he can cover it and you can cover it and you can just have one fling. You can just get drunk one time. You can just do drugs one time. You can just steal one time. You can do all this just one time and never, nobody will ever know it. Not according to the book. Because you may be only one or two of you involved, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a spirit world looking on both on the righteous side and both on the damnable side. And sin goes even further. Not just the front door of temptation. Not to see the back alley. Sin is even further dimensional. It goes on to affect the family. It goes on to affect your future. It goes on to affect your eternity. Yet, Satan wants you to see only the front door. Temptation and compromise. I'm going to be bold, I'm going to make a statement. So many people, I'm not saying this politically, I'm telling you this spiritually. There is an organization today that is trying to destroy America and its founders are Satan worshipers. They are witches. And say what you want politically, they are funded by our government. And I want to tell you something. I feel sorry for young minds who get involved with things that they think up front are right and don't have a clue what it's really about. Don't you ever follow or an organization, I don't care how right you think it is, if it has come from a demonic source. I don't care how right it looks. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how reasonable it sounds. And Black Lives Matter are led by witches. And it's no secret. And if you get involved in it, you're blinded. And I'm going to say from this pulpit, there is a seducting spirit of temptation and compromise and evil and lies coming across our nation. And the church of all people better know it. You say, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. Believe it because it's true. And what bothers me is even people in church or they say they know the Lord. Pastor, why would you say these things? Because we're fighting a foe that you will not be able to outreason. Yeah. 
Well, don't you believe that, that I believe every life that issues from a womb has a purpose from Almighty God. That's what I believe. I do not have a problem with the skin color. I have a problem with the heart. With the heart. All that really matters is the heart. Because if the heart's right, then the behavior's right. If the heart's wrong, the behavior's sinful. So here's one of Satan's pitches. First of all, your temptation, your situation is somehow extraordinary. It's unique, your situation, to be tempted, to compromise. It's unique to the human race. No one has ever had your problem. No one has ever been treated like you've been treated. You're the only one that's ever been and put in this situation. No one has ever had to deal with what you've had to deal with. No one knows how you feel. Are you kidding? Satan will arrange pain and feeling and circumstance and situations to totally get you off of any kind of center, center about yourself. I'm the only one, nobody's ever been treated like this on and on. The scripture says the totally opposite. I can show you where it says Jesus was tempted in all manner of sin, yet without sin. Satan came to the Christ. We only see it in three different forms in the early part of the gospel, but I'm telling you, he came with every gun loaded. And let me tell you, Satan was the prince in the power of the air, and what he offered he could produce on this planet for the Christ. When he offered the kingdoms, he's in control of them. Just re read your scripture, study that. Temptation will corner you and make you feel like nobody's been through this, nobody understands me, nobody knows how I feel, and he'll make you feel like you have no chance. No chance. The scripture says again the opposite. There has no temptation overtaken you, but such is as common to humanity, but God is faithful who will not permit you to be tempted above what you are able to decide about, but with the temptation also to defy it, to come against the enemy, God will tell you and show you a way to escape that you may be able to defeat the temptation. Two things I want you to remember about that. First of all, Jesus endured and conquered the same temptation. Secondly, it's just common stuff. Pastor, nobody's hurt like I have. Nobody's went through that. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. By the hundreds and the thousands and the millions. 
Same stuff, same devil, same lies, same temptation through generation after generation. And Satan gets involved in certain families' lives and works some of these things. And let me tell you, in the Old Testament, people would come and seek spiritism from the old families, and they were called familiar spirits because through those families, those demons worked and passed right on through from generation to generation. And it's my belief, I believe, that Satan has lived in generation of families for centuries. And, and, and here's what's amazing. The, the satanic paranormal world, they boast about it. Now they say, well, grandmother had a witch and she had demons and all that and now I have these powers. And we are now in the United States of America telling our young people that we can worship any God and make no difference whatsoever? If my, our young people worship God, if they, if they really witness we're, we're the enemy today, they would try to silence us. But yet, they're saying in our schools in distant states, you can, wor you can worship the Mayan gods, you can worship the Aztecs gods who killed thousands upon thousands of thousands of humans as sacrifice. If you think Satan isn't coming against this nation, we need to wake up. Just a few years ago, the goddess, the Hindu goddess of child destruction, you ought to see it. Kali is her name. Kali is a Hindu goddess that walks and stamps upon the blood and lives of children and has this long tongue to drink of their blood. That's almost unbelievable to even speak about. And yet in the past few years, we had a president that allowed her image to be put upon the big tower in New York City. Empire State Building. If you don't believe it, go look it up. I did. Now they won't let you pull it up. Sin is ugly and it has not changed. You are not the exception, but the sin that destroyed a previous generation will also destroy you. And let me say this for a Understanding young people, you can play and you can toy, but understand this, that Satan plays for keeps. So you go have that drink and you go have that affair and you go have those drugs and you go, you go play with the Ouija board and you seek all that and you'll get exactly what Satan wants in you. Open those doors. And I will tell you this, Satan will come in. Secondly, the second pitch is this. Not only are you the only one, but Satan will cause you to believe you will be the exception. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it by myself. Everyone else has been weak. 
Oh, I know my friends, she and he and all that. They were neglectful. They're just stupid. I'm not that stupid. I want to tell you something. It's not a matter of being stupidity. It's a matter of making a choice. And even as believers, Satan will cause us sometimes to believe that we are immune to spiritual attack and defeat. Oh, I was saved back in great revival days years ago. Oh, at the age of six years old, I gave my heart to God. I've been baptized in water. Oh, I was saved in, in Pastor Brooks's church back in the 1920s. <laughs> I'm a member of the so-and-so church. I'm all this, ladies and gentlemen. Age, maturity, and length of salvation and membership will not immune you from attack from the enemy to cause you to be tempted and compromised and lose your relationship with God. He was 50 years old. This man had walked with God since he was a young lad. He composed earth's greatest, most beautiful hymns. He was considered God's man for the time. He had been anointed more than any king before or since, three times anointed to be the king of his nation. And one night he couldn't sleep. Got up out of his bed, walked onto the balcony, and on that night of nights, hell took deadly aim at his soul and fired at him a missile. Her name was Bathsheba. His name was David. Who would have ever believed this man the king, God's anointed, would be virtually destroyed, but he was. And he and his family and his nation paid the price for the next generation. Your sin not only affects you, it affects your family. It affects everybody that knows you. It affects every area of your influence. Well, pastor, are we supposed to be forgiving? Yes, but I'm going to declare it to you today in 2021, it's all based on will you repent and turn from your wicked ways. Because we can all get soupy, syrupy. We just, oh, bless your heart. We know you couldn't help yourself. That's not true. You pastor, don't you have any mercy? Yes, I have mercy. But I'm going to tell you something. We have done away with the thing in America called any responsibility at all. Well, he shot his wife because he had some kind of mental problem because his mama wouldn't let him push his oatmeal off the high chair when he was two or whatever. We're so thin. <laughs> I know I just heard somebody say, Pastor, you need to go pray again. I will. I promise I will. Bless his heart, he just couldn't help himself. He just couldn't help himself. He just could I want to tell you something, Mom and Dad, you are doing your children no favor but not making them grow up and make decisions and accept responsibility. It's pathetic. History and scripture show us that after your greatest spiritual victories, you become more vulnerable maybe than any other time. 
So let's ask the question, how did Peter fail? Don't forget, this is man, he's the head of the in crowd. Number one, he was overconfident. I don't care how spiritual you become and how much you read the Bible and how much you come. Let me tell you something. Satan wants to destroy your life. He was overconfident. He had bragged to Jesus, I will follow you anywhere, even die for you. Here's the problem. Peter was still leaning to his own understanding. Do not let human reason get you out of balance. Stay in this book. The second thing that caused Peter to fall was he failed to pray. He slept through the greatest prayer meeting that's ever made on planet Earth. When is that, Pastor? In Gethsemane, Jesus. was wrestling with the will of God. Jesus was wrestling about the cross. He was wrestling with a cup of iniquity, not so he didn't suffer, not so he didn't die, but he did not want to take your sin and my sin upon his pureness, his holiness. He wrestled with it so much so, the scripture says, and history can say, and, and anatomy and and. and Health professionals say that people can become so stressed that the capillaries on the forehead can open and indeed you can sweat blood drops. His battle was for my salvation and yours. And Peter, the lead man, could have been an eyewitness to that. He could have been a tremendous participant to that event in that garden. But he just slept soundly a few feet away. Three times Christ pleaded with him to pray. <laughs> Three times. The one time, not the God part, the man part. Yes, the God part. Yes, the man part. Three times he pleaded with humanity. Will you, will you help me? Will you... Will you discipline yourself? Will you commit to me and keep it? Will you, will you absolutely let me know that you stand with me? Three times, just pray with me. Thirdly, Peter was following Jesus. King James Version says, afar off. The new King James says, at a distance. He following at a distance. I want to tell you something. Many people in America today are following Jesus afar off, at a distance. They don't mind the name Christian. They desire that, can I say, an eternal sense of secure feeling. But they want no scars. They want no costs. They want no obedience. They want no requirements, no restrictions, no restraints, no responsibility. You paid it all, so I don't pay anything. I can just ride on the magnanimous gift of Christ, and there's nothing required of me as a believer. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Far off or at a distance, you think you'll never get wounded, but I'm going to tell you something. Anything away from the absolute pungent touch of the hem of the garment can put you in jeopardy. Paul was the very opposite. 
He said, I bear the marks in my body, spiritually and physically. Our God, ladies and gentlemen, our daily price is our daily cross. And we don't want to pay it. All that's been tough. But I want to end this morning on some good news. Turn to somebody and say, finally, finally, some good news. Generation 2021, 53 days, <laughs> 53 days after Peter denied Christ, 53 days afterwards, he preached for the Christ and thousands came to the Lord. But I want you to catch this. 53 days, he immediately, the scripture says, he went out and he wept bitterly. You know what that means? He was actually sorrowful for denying and cursing and not following the Christ. He had failed so drastically that he was smitten with the depravity of the fact that the Christ had depended on him and he had let him down. So he went to the core of his being and he said, God, forgive me, strengthen me. And the power of the Spirit came back upon Peter and he preached the day of Pentecost and it was a powerful revival. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Our problem today is twofold. God will restore us and he wants to use us. But after the fall, we must come to repentance. I love this. I love this. I've told you this story before. I'm going to say it again. A story, true story. Years and years ago in a seminary, a young man was getting his doctorate. And at his graduation from seminary, he was asked to preach about repentance. How many of you know what I'm going to do? You've been here a time or two. Well, if you don't know, I'm going to renew it. He got up and took scripture and theologically and with doctrine, he eloquently spoke about repentance. Repentance. And all of how it theologically is. And, and listen, thank God we can know that. Amen? Thank God we can know that. The problem is, if we don't make that real in life, And he finished this tremendous discourse and went over and sat down beside an old, old timer who was supposed to pray and end it. And the young man sat down beside him and he said, how was that for a treatise on repentance? And the old gentleman got up and he looked at that crowd till it was silent. And he did this. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I've done this. I've done wrong. I've sinned. I've come short. God, I realize I'm going to hell. And he fell. 
God, forgive me, Lord, I have been wrong. I'm smitten by the depravity of my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Listen, repentance is way beyond regret. Regret means you're sorry you got caught. Repentance means you're sorry you committed the sin against the Almighty God. He got on his face and he repented. He got up and said, I'm on my way to heaven. 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 You may think I'm foolish by doing that, especially live online. I don't care if the world thinks I'm foolish. It's my job to speak the truth. And let me say something to a young generation. Because you don't get caught doesn't mean it's right. You may get past the feeling and emotion, the ideology of a, of a demonized, demented mentality about law, and the laws are breaking down. But I want to tell you, do not change the law in the high court of the universe. I was looking at my pretty wife this morning, and I just happen to think that my wife is a gorgeous woman. I do. I really think she is. But she, well, you're just prejudiced. I, I know I'm prejudiced, but it's also a fact. And I tease her, and I just, you know, I, you've, you've heard me. I just pick at her. The reason being, she does that to me all week. You just don't get to see that, so you think I'm unfair to her sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to meddle some more. We teach... We teach math, mathematics, we teach geography, we teach chemistry, we teach history, we teach grammar, we teach all kinds of things. But we have failed in America to teach our children about how to handle life. And if my heart's burdened or broken about any person, it is young people today because they have not had a solid foundation to build on. But the truth is still the truth. A lie is still a lie. So I'm going to be bold this morning. This book not only says thou shalt not, and we don't want to hear that we don't have to neglect anything, but we're going to hear it. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we take it today and we just push that aside as if it's not relevant to us today and we don't want to bother with it. We want to sear our conscience and we want to live like we want to do what we want to do, think what we want to do. We want to try it. We even want to change our sex. My God have mercy. Are you serious? Are you serious? Do you know now that we're saying in America we're going to wait? I wonder why it is that 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago we didn't have any trouble telling what we were. You say, Pastor, this is a scary thing. And I, listen, I'm not a novice. I'm, I'm not. But I want to tell you, there is a demonic force 
taking this world in its innermost being. And Jesus stood in a generation and said, just like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and just like it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the man of God's son returns. And let me just remind you, Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality and lesbianism and all kinds of bestiality. Can I tell you, the days of Noah was about homosexuality and all the sins of depravity. And I want to say to you today, it is still a depravity of the devil. And he plays for keeps. He will bring damnation to your soul. But here's the good news. 53 days, Peter preached. And watch this. Peter preached. He was still used in a monumental manner. Peter denied Christ in the courtyard of Caiaphas' home. Do you know that 53 days later, Peter preached in that same courtyard of that same house, end of the same town? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying your life's not over because you failed. Not if you'll repent. Not if you'll get into the upper room, the relationship that's real and genuine, not just religion, not just not just your name on a roll at some church. If you'll get into the, the day of Pentecost and you'll become related to him personally. Not until then are you really willing to live for him and die to self. The cure for temptation and compromise is this. Submit yourself to God. Pray. Resist the devil. And God will make him flee from you. Every enemy has to go. Every enemy has to go. Lord, here I am. I need to repent online. Here I am. I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit taps at your heart's door. All you have to do is say, God, I see my sin. I need a Savior. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the sacrifice. This day, the enemy has torn our society, our individuals, our families, our nation. And we need revival. I will tell you this. In my prayers, I have heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to me. And I believe that America is in a refining hour. Read the Old Testament about a refiner's fire. I truly believe that we are going to see some soul searching in America. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. For the return of Christ. How many would love to see thousands and millions come to the Lord? Oh my. We could be there. So my question is this. Has the enemy strategically been sowing and placing into your heart negative thoughts? Everybody's against me. Everybody hates me. Bitterness. Criticism. Lust jealousy, strife, envy, selfishness. You don't need God. Any of those places in your life Satan been trying to attack, here's my desire for you. I simply want you to come. Just come. Just come. One of 
the Lord's favorite words is come. Come to me. I'll see that you're saved. 